Hey, welcome everybody. It's uh, Mike and Massey with Self Evident Podcast, and it's podcast numero once, 11. For those of you who don't speak French, it's 11. That's right. <laughs> once, it's 11, y'all. So this is a little bit unique as well. So the last podcast we did, it's our first interview. We had Sue Trombino on there, and she was uh, talking about like voting, and um, she came from socialist countries and all these other things, and we wanted to kind of keep uh, keep it broken up. You know what I mean? Like what uh, an interview and things like that. Well, now we're in a new room. Isn't this kind of neat? So this is actually a trial for us. We're going to see, uh, it, you're going to see in the next, uh, future podcast, we're going to be changing up the room and, uh, we're actually at uh, a dear friend's, uh, uh, studio right now. Yeah. This is kind of a studio and he let us use this for the night, which is awesome. So we're going to be talking about Mike's story right there. This guy, this guy, this guy, that guy right there. <laughs> and uh, so the whole point of this is for you guys to know who we are. Um, what makes us tick? Why do we keep doing this? You know, a lot of people tell me a lot of what you're doing is an uphill battle, you know, and, and you know, you should be careful or, you know, uh, don't you feel like it's a lost cause? And for us, I think we know that the lost causes are the best ones to fight for. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of knowledge. And if we don't uh, keep giving that knowledge, it's just going to turn into nothing, you know, so our job is to disciple people. And so we're going to start off uh, uh, this podcast here. This is, again, Mike's story, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy this one. So, Mike, what's up, dog? How's it going, man? Uh, you know, it's going. It's going. It's really going. It's just got uh, we have a new little flair. It's kind of unique. We're in a you know, studio. <laughs> it feels it's actually, yeah, different. It, it feels different. Yeah. And uh, but it's cool. Right. So I got to ask you a few things first before we get started. Well, actually, we're going to get started. But uh, just wanted to ask, like, so I, I met you, what, seven years ago, something like that? Yeah, it was something like that. About seven years seven ago. Years yeah, we ago, met each other yeah. in North Dakota. And we'll get into that story a little bit. Yeah. Um, before we get started, I want to say, like, thank you for being a part of Self-Evident and all those things and what you're helping us do. I know sometimes, you know, you're working the full-time job. You got a little boy, all these other things. You got a cool wife. I mean, killer wife. She, she does. She's amazing. Uh, and so I want to say thank you for, for helping us and, you know, helping me do the podcast and all these things because we need that kind of knowledge, you know? And, uh, so I wanted to get that out of the way, but so let's get this started. Like what about Mike Sonneveld? What is it about you? I mean, they obviously know you're smart. What is it about you? They don't know. Boy, that's a hard question. Isn't it? <laughs> Man, I don't even know where to begin on that. Um, I think. One of the things that, that people probably don't understand is that or, or don't know about me is that I've got this passion. I'm not really sure how to get it out. Um, there's a lot of times where there's just things I want to do or things that sure. I, I see and I don't know how to get them out. I don't mm -hmm. know how to present them. Um, and I don't know if that speaks to anybody because – a lot of times we we have something that's sure. inside us that's churning that's that's trying to drive and we don't always know how to make that connection and get that out there um and this podcast has been an exploration of that and how do i how do i make that connection how do i put the wheels to the road yep, I understand you know that. so <clears throat> so like obviously you have a passion it makes you tick right but let's let's start from the you know from from you know, the birthday suit to diapers, right? Like where, where are you from? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I grew up in a small town, West Michigan, uh, Grand Haven, Grand Haven. Yeah. Coast Guard Grand city, Haven. USA. Grand Haven. It's, it's the Dutch reformed. Yeah. It's very conservative Dutch reform. Very Dutch upper middle class to upper middle class, whatever Straight you want up. to consider it. And I had a great childhood. Like, yeah, we've talked about it. There's a lot of people who had very rough childhoods mm -hmm. and, and that kind of thing, and those make great testimonies. Um, one of the things that I've had about my childhood was it was good. Amen. It was peaceful, uh, which was a blessing. You know, and, and there are plenty of advantages to that. There are disadvantages, right, lessons you don't learn. But at the same time, with – Without that stable foundation, who knows where I would have been, you know? Yeah, deeper. It, yeah, yep. it, it, it really created a lot of who I am. Right. Yeah. But think about that, right? So, like, you, you had a great childhood, uh, you know. 
Now you, you did get into trouble, right? Yep. Cause we're, we're going to kind of skip some years, right? So you're growing yeah. up, you're in elementary school, you're being raised by good parents, your brother, same, same thing, right? We're getting into like high school years, your formative years, as far as like, you know, being a young man and, and who you are and, and things like that coming into your own. Right. And so I think one of the things I want, like, I'm going to say this about your mother. When I met her, um, <clears throat> she was probably one of the most genuine people I have ever met. And I, what did I meet her for an afternoon? Yeah. It was like once for yeah, an afternoon, yeah, we had a couple hours. And <laughs> yeah. And then she like wrote me this beautiful handwritten letter, no. you know, and, and it, she took time to write that, you know, like it wasn't something that she just made up off a whim. So you could tell that your mother was super involved. And I met your father too. And he's a really cool guy. Just very quiet, you know? So yeah. it's like, um, you, you, you're, you're brought up in, in a really good home, but you get to your formative years, your high school years, and all of a sudden you start to veer off. Yeah. So kind of explain that. So you had a great family. So, and the reason why I want to build this contrast, and I'm not trying to talk a lot because I really no, want you to talk, fine. but a lot of kids that say, well, I had a bad upbringing, blah, blah. I didn't get paid attention to it. I didn't have a dad. That's why I did this. You did. Yeah. You know, you had and a mom, still, you had a dad. Yeah. I still made my explain mistakes. Explain that. And you hit it pretty much on the head. Um, I had a great upbringing. I had a peaceful childhood. I had good, solid parents who, you know, believed in God. They had faith. They they pushed yep. me to have my own faith. And for whatever reason, I, it was almost one of those, like, everything's comfortable. I want to explore um, and I started drinking when I was 15 with a buddy of mine. Um, you know, he and I joke, he got me into drinking and I got him into pot. You know, yeah. we started smoking pot when we were, I don't know, 16, something like that. And it, high school was pretty tame for me. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd go to parties every once in a while or drink every once in a while. Um, only smoked pot a couple of times in high school, but it was really college where it broke open. Um, in college was when the drugs became really important to me. Um, I was drinking a lot, uh, but the drugs were more the focus. The drinking was just because that's a fun. Byproduct, yeah, 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 exactly. Everybody else drank. So why not? And it, it wasn't this like, oh, peer pressure. I, I've got to be cool in order to drink. It, well, everybody else is getting drunk. Why not? And one of the things that that attracted me, I think, to drinking that I, I don't think a lot of people admit to is you have a loss of responsibility when you're drinking. Right. Right. You, you, you're not responsible for yourself anymore. You're not responsible for even technically the consequences, right? You, you just, I understand. your inhibitions go down and then you do what you want to do. And, and that was a big draw for me. Right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, even even having that drug pass, I, I never did drugs yeah. in school, never drank, none of that stuff. And it, I had a I had a great upbringing myself. I, I, I would say my dad and my mom were physically present. They were really cool about that. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home, but spiritually it was kind of off. And they'll yeah. admit that. You know, they would admit that. Um, but I just had this, like, deep, like, my dad told me, if I catch you doing drugs, you get a girl pregnant, I'll break your teeth and legs. You know yeah. what I mean? He meant it. So yeah. Now, Mexican <laughs> people are, like, crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah, Dutch reform don't tend to threaten like that. <laughs> it's usually you just find you got cut out of the will 30 years yeah. later. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like, that's why you end up with teeth like this. <laughs> right? So... But going back to this, like, I know you now, right? Yeah. I'm glad I didn't know you back then. Even Paul said that in scripture. He said, we know no man after the flesh. You know, I don't know a man after the flesh. I know him after the spirit. So I, I got to ask, where did all the brainiac stuff come from? Right? Because like, you, you have this giant, vast knowledge. Did it come high school, college? Were you already dabbling in it? Did it come after drugs? I mean, because... There, there's a lot to your story, and I'm going to unpack it piece by piece, but yeah. because you have a lot in your in, in the dome and in, in your heart, you know? So t tell us about that. What um, In fourth grade, uh, I had a teacher having a conference with my mom, and the teacher sat her down and said, look, Michael seems really smart. I just can't tell what's complete crap and what's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect, dude. And, yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> 
Yeah. I wonder if people think that about us now. I really it's wonder. Like, yeah. You know, like, it's, I wonder, like, how many people go, he's just completely full of crap, but yeah, he sounds right. so convinced. Sounds so good. And that's what my teacher said. It was like, he just like sounds so convinced. You know, all yeah, of them, exactly. Obama, Trump, Bush. Yeah. They just, they know what they want to say. They're authoritative. So, hey, he must be he right. He must be right. That's right. <laughs> um, one of the things was, like you said about my dad, he's very quiet. My dad's very stoic. I think I got a lot of that from him. Um, so I'm, I call myself a high functioning introvert. I can be very social. I can do the salesman thing. I can do the, the deep relationship thing. Um, but it drains me. I'm very much a by myself person who likes to observe and just suck in information. And so I was mm. kind of always that way when I was a kid. Yep. Um, I would just watch other people and watch what was going on and, and just pull in the information. Um, I think it really broke open in college. High school, I, I didn't really care about learning. I was too focused on the social aspects of, of the high world. School, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the usual high school stuff. Um, college was where it, it really started to take hold. And that's where you started to develop your theologies, right? Like yeah, you started studying yeah. religions and yeah, I, I started studying, you know, Buddhism, Eastern philosophy, Taoism, you know, uh, looked through Islam, but Islam never really interested me, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, and because you're an infidel, I am. You're an infidel, niche. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, let's be real, right? Yeah, like, infidel, right? They should die according to that religion, you know? But yeah. uh, I'm sorry, keep going. No, no, it's fine. There's military guys who will get, like, a tattoo that says, like, infidel on it. <laughs> I yeah, was like, that's cool. ah, I can't blame them. No. <laughs> but um, in college, it was not that the drugs created it, but the drugs accelerated it. Oh, get you. You know, I mean, like I was very, very interested in guys like Jimi Hendrix and Bob Dylan and uh, these more out there, you know, 60s, 70s rock stars. Not not necessarily just because of the music, but because I felt like these guys were, were exploring untapped regions. Uh, Jim Morrison. I wrote about him in college, and I remember writing about him and saying he's either a genius who's who's – crossed over to the other side um spiritually psychologically or he's a complete nut bar and i said and i was i was more on the side of i think this guy's figured something out in complete genius and, and the drugs have helped him get there that's kind of the question about christ too isn't it like yeah either he was like a truth teller and he was straight up god or he was a straight nut lord you know? or lunatic right C.S. Lewis says, uh, what is it? Lord, liar, or lunatic. You'd pick one. Say yeah. that again. Lord, liar, or lunatic. C.S. Lewis said that. Yep. Man, because like, <clears throat> and, and, and stay, stay, yeah, stay on this, fine. stay on this vein. The, the, so, so you're, you're studying religions. You understand, you, you know, you're trying to figure out what you believe, your ideals. And obviously most of these religions, Eastern, Eastern, you know, religions, Buddhism, yeah. all these things. It's all about centrism and yourself and euphoria, yeah. utopia, all these things. Explain how that kind of kept you in that. Oh, man. that. So to step back one step, Christianity, I, I grew up in, in a Christian home, um, always kind of by name. It was, I'm a Christian. Sure. So I got the theological background because you know, Dutch Reformed were, were heavy on the theology of doctrine. stuff, the doctrine, right? And so I always had appreciation for that. Get into college, and so I've got that in the back of my mind, sure. the the foundations of, of <clears throat> Christ and what he taught. The joy to me, or I shouldn't even say joy, but the interest I had in things like Buddhism or Taoism or, you know, there there was this psychological aspect of, almost self-help to a lot of it crazy but also this this self-interested um teaching to it cloaked in selflessness right right and you know like you and i have talked about the idea of nirvana is really this cessation of self the cessation of existence 
Which is interesting to me now. You, Funny because you said that's how you used to escape with drinking. Exactly. You void yourself of responsibility. Yeah. And I'm glad we're actually talking about this because if people could get a hold of this, you know, why people get into drugs. Like I was addicted to pornography, right? Yeah. Why I did that because I was in a nirvana. You know, it was like yeah. it, it's it's this place of I can control it. I don't know a drunk or person who gets drunk that says I can't I can control it. Yeah. You know, they're always like I I got you know, right, so I'm I fine. Can have another five I beers. Quit. I just don't want to. Yeah, I just don't want to. Yeah. And so, like, it's that nirvana. It's that, like you said, it's that place where it's like I can control. I'm in control. It's still gratifying me, but it's not really hurting me. Um, explain more of that. Yeah, the that idea of um, I can control. I'm in charge, and the the escape of consequence or um, almost the escape of existence. Wow. Right. There's, there's this attraction to escaping existence because existence is is painful. Yeah. That's the stuff that fascinated me in college was the idea of being able to escape my consequences or responsibilities. And the funny thing was the more I tried to do that, the more the nagging of conviction and shame were clawing at me. So it's like I'm running from, you know, danger into 10 times the danger. I'm running from one tiger facing, running right into the face of 10 tigers. You know, I'm I'm running deeper into the mud because every time I try to avoid my responsibilities, avoid my problems, I'm creating more by what I'm doing. And so it was this this real spiral um, of just confusion, depression, shame. And, and I don't want to put that veneer on it I that, that a lot of people tend to. Like I was, you know, in the gutter and, and ready to kill myself. It, it wasn't like that. And not that I'm downplaying people who are in that position, but a lot of times you can function really highly and still be. Yeah, we've got drinking and drugs all the time got two people at our church that used to function they were psychologists i mean or uh what do you call yeah psychologists they would sit and listen to people and she said we were high functioning drunks you know it's crazy so anyways so you're getting through college i remember you know you you, you're you're close to getting the degree am i not mistaken yeah and you're kind of taking some turns you were dating a girl i mean this is just some of the story like you you know you're you're going bonkers like relate so let's talk about relationships right (laughs) that was i tried to delve into everything i tried to get deeper into everything so the you know the drugs and stuff i was looking for the the spiritual expansion i was looking for the the you know the achievement of of the mental point that i wanted to get and at the same time i was trying to delve deeper into relationships i was going after girls left and right and it really it, it peaked with a relationship that I had a had a nuclear meltdown. <laughs> you know, she and I were both broken people, completely broken people. And there were all kinds of red flags and warning signs on both sides. And it it culminated in us, you know, having a, a real bad night where she, you know, <laughs> wanted to leave home with a or leave with another guy and, you know, we this was pivotal it's, for you, though. Yeah, it was. It really was because she, she, we were at the bar and and this guy approached her and you know she ended up getting a free beer with him and she disappeared with him and came back and disappeared again and came back and we were on the car ride home and he called her while we were in the car together and you know and and I knew what was going on and she was trying to play coy and we got home and you know. It, I slammed the car door as hard as I could and just started walking away. And I I remember she called after me. She's like, well, you know, can't we still be friends or, or, you know, call me or, you know, something like that. And I was like, never, no more Nirvana. Yeah, no, (laughs) this is not Nirvana. And so I went on a three day bender to try and find Nirvana again (laughs) and it didn't work, but it was really pivotal. It, it, it was the moment that really made me realize everything is wrong and I have no clue how to get right. And I was a mess after it. 
um, relationships just I, I didn't couldn't really get a relationship after it. I was so just destroyed. Um, and the drugs and alcohol were just not fixing the problem. Right. You know, I was having fallen out with friends. I, you know, I had one friend who he and another friend's girlfriend were always kind of at odds and they had a night where they blew up and, you know, mixed stories about what happened. And so, and he had had anger problems before. And I finally told him, I was like, you got to get your anger straight. He and I haven't talked since, which is sad to me, but that was the, the, stages that my life was going yeah, right yeah, yeah. was all this is just falling apart <clears throat> did you find even in that situation like you're correcting things in other people because you needed them corrected in yourself like was that a point in your life where it was like because you know how it is right in yeah. christianity when you have to say something to somebody and I, and I want everybody to hear this christianity isn't about pointing fingers but although it, it needs to happen we need to correct each other but you yeah. do it in love yeah. you know what i mean and i notice the people that try to correct us the most and they try, try, try. It's in them. That's why they get upset and frustrated. Yeah. So, like, is that what you experienced? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, there's, I'm sure I've told you this before. Like, it tends to be the thing that we hate the most in other people is the thing that we actually hate in ourselves. That's exactly it. Right? I completely agree. And and so I was seeing things. That's a good observation that you made was, like, the things I saw in my friends were the things I didn't like in myself. Um, and this especially instability and, and low self-esteem and depression and all of that stuff. And, and it was getting to like the drug abuse and alcohol abuse. Yep. I was starting to see in other people and, and didn't like it. And so I move out of my apartment. I was living by myself. My lease was up. Thank goodness. A buddy of mine took me in He and he offered it up. And at first I was like, no, and then I, well, yeah, why not? Yep. And a super straight laced guy, like never drank, never did drugs or smoked and not, not out of any like moral superiority. Just no, I, straight I edge. don't need to straight edge. Yeah. You know, he played minor league hockey. He was, he was an enforcer for the team and just a good guy. And so I finally found, okay, stable living environment. So the drinking and the drugs got a lot less, right? And I found myself having graduated, working in a four by four cinder block building, no door, no window on a wooden stool, no electricity, taking tickets at a small little city park. And I had no clue what I was going to do or where I was going to go. I was really at the bottom of it. So this was your, your epiphany of... Yeah. That what, what, what am I? What the H am I on this earth for? Yeah, and and the whole time I had been trying to satisfy what I wanted and my desires while still holding on to some type of belief, moral religious compass. moral compass. Yeah, and I realized that I had been treating Christianity, you know, the cliche of buffet Christianity: take what I want, leave behind Ooh, what I don't buffets. want. Yeah. Oh goodness. <laughs> we we need to go to Colden Gorral. Colden Gorel. Colden Gorel. Can we have a moment of silence for Colden Gorel? All right. All right. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Um, <laughs> Kilwins, another moment of silence. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you, thank Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> Anyways, so, so it, it was pivotal for you. you. Yeah. You saw at that moment, like, man, what is life about? Because I think that happens to all of us that become Christians. Like, what is this about? Yeah. Yeah, and I realized I had to either take it or leave it. I couldn't keep saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, but hey, I'm going to sleep with whoever I want, do whatever I want, think whatever I want. That's not a Christian, right? That's right. Um, and so what I did was I just said, okay, I need to either take it or leave it. And I'm sitting in this little ticket booth 11 hours a day through the summer. I go, I'm going to read through the whole New Testament. And by the end of it, I'm either done or I'm all in. And so I started first page of Matthew, read all the way through. And by the end of it, I was born again. And, That's great. Yeah. You didn't have a spiritual uh, mentor, I guess. Cool. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, besides Christ himself, like the words, you know, that moment where the words come off the page and you're like, this isn't just writing this isn't just this is a real. person speaking this is real like this yeah. is this is 
God's words coming out of here. And so I, I born again, like, okay, what am I going to do? And trying to figure out where am I going to go? What am I going to do for a job? I had an English degree, um, teaching certificate failed on me, you know, um, which I really believe was God, but uh, I, there were a couple of classes that I just, I had mono and I had just transferred and I didn't care about school. And so those classes were horrible. Guess what? Four specific classes I needed to have a higher GPA in, in order to get into the college <laughs> of ed, you know? And so it's like, okay. So tried a couple of different jobs. God really kept me from those, you know, like the wrong resume or cover letter going to a job that I was really excited about and not find, figuring it out until after, you know, like yep. <laughs> just these, these moments where it was like, okay, God, I, I'm going to accept you don't want me here. Um, and I happened to be talking to my mom one night and she said, well, why don't you call your cousin? Um, he's out in the oil fields. Maybe there's a job out there. So I call him and, and he says, yeah, my, my boss says, if you can be here by Monday, you've got a job. This was I don't know, Thursday night. So I pack up my car on Friday and I drive out to North Dakota. <laughs> right. What kind of hot rod did you have? Honda Accord Coupe. Holla. V6. Woo. Riding. <laughs> and so I make it out there Sunday night. Monday morning, my cousin goes into work and he gets back and he's got this look of, you know, like, like he had a bad day. Yeah. yeah or disappointment or something was off. And I, I didn't want to bug him, but I was kind of like, so, so job, what would your boss say? It's like, he said he doesn't have anything for you. So now I'm in North Dakota <laughs> <laughs> screwed again. And I, I, it was like, okay, Lord, what am I doing here? Why am I here? If that's what happened, what do I do? So I sat for a day. Um, the next, the day after that, I got a knock on the trailer door because we were living in a trailer behind the shop, because you know, Wild West out there. And y'all got to experience this place oh, at least once. Oh my goodness, man! And and we'll we can talk about it in a couple minutes because it was a whole different experience. Um, but knock on my door. Kid asked me if I'm Mike. I said, yeah. He says, one of the managers wants to talk to you. So I come in, and the manager goes, he says he heard what happened. He's like, can you talk to people? I said, well, yeah, I can hold a conversation. He said, well, there's another division that needs a salesman. So here's where you got to go. Go see that manager, you know, do an interview. And I'm doing the interview. He's walking me through the shop in my head. I'm thinking, I don't want to be a salesman. I want to be on the rigs. I want to be, you know, throwing chain. I want to be throwing pipe. And one of the things that I've been talking about to the Lord about is, Lord, I need a truck. I need a job that pays me well enough that I can have a truck because there's no way my little Honda Accord is going to survive in a North Dakota winter. And I'm talking to this, this manager. He says, so job pays $60,000 a year. You get a company truck, drive it no matter where you need to go, get groceries, whatever, you drive the truck. It's like, oh, well, that does it. <laughs> and you got a gas card. And I, I got that. a gas card. Yeah, I, my gas was paid. I, I could drive. He, he wanted me to drive it everywhere I went. <laughs> and, I just want you to know we don't offer that benefits. It's self-evident. Um, no. Um, if we do, I want a truck. <laughs> Um, and, and he asked me, he was like, how long can you give me? And I said, two, two years. I can give you two years. Yeah. All right. Deal. Dude, I was, I was crying when I, I left there and I went to Applebee's to have lunch and dude, I was crying, man. Cause good paying job, company truck, Benny's. like benefits, like God, you're taking care of me. And I look back now and I see what he was doing because for 10, 12, 14 hours a day, I was driving around by myself basically. And there was a radio station that played sermons all day. And I, you know, for a couple of weeks, I listened to one sermon a day. 
in a couple of weeks, I was listening to two or three. Pretty soon, I wasn't listening to any music. I was listening to sermons 10, 12, 14 hours a day. And I got a seminary education in like two years. Like it just God soaked me in it. Um, and I really grew in learning who he was and what my faith was supposed to be about during that time, which I never would have had on the rigs. Yeah. <clears throat> so bringing it back. So, so now you're in North Dakota. God answered prayers. You, you're a Christian. How long have you been a Christian at this point? I mean, I mean, but was, for real, yeah, legit. Yeah. Legit real relationship with Christ. It was probably about two years, you know, one and a half to two years. So you, you grew fast. You, yeah. you, you had to start growing fast. So you, you're, you're, I, I think it's funny because North Dakota, you just have to experience it. It's at that time. Anyways, the roads were getting tore up by all the yeah. semis. Oh yeah. <clears throat> I remember the gas trucks would, I mean, literally they were always doing construction on them roads. Yeah. And even the back roads were all like uh, uh dirt and rock. Yep. And so like you had a car, it was over. That car yeah. is done. Um, and it was the Wild West. I remember when we started going there as a, as a ministry, I'd go there and fundraise. That's how I met you. And we'll get into that in a second. I remember when we'd go there. Um, it was it was uh, it was it was dicey. It was disgusting. Yeah. And I'll say this. I mean, it was like I think one year when we started going there a year prior, it was like 450 ladies, ladies, not men included, had applied for a gun permit. It was just getting because people were getting raped. People were getting yeah. whatever. So I want you to kind of like talk about that and, and then talk <laughs> about how we met. You know? Yeah. So. Uh, out there, just to give you an idea, an apartment, I remember seeing an ad for an apartment. It was going for $3,000 a month. And there's no luxury house there. It's a small town. Yeah, small town. All the houses are getting bought up real quick. It's it's It was a mess. So everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people were living in trailers with what they called man camps, which were basically just plug and play. Huts. Big huts, you know. Um, and... There was just, I don't want to uh, over-dramatize it, but there was a lot of lawlessness going on. You know, like, that's, you could, you could not feel you could feel the spiritual heaviness. Dude, they were bringing you know? in prostitutes to those places. Oh, yeah. Uh, girls were coming from, like, Las Vegas because they could make more money out there than they could in Vegas. Um, and there was a hotel that was... That's what it was known for was you go there to, to get the prostitutes, you know, and you know, drugs were rampant. Meth was rampant. Um, I had very close friends of mine go down the path of meth. Uh, you know, yeah, school um, systems overflowed. Yeah. And it people I had other people who they had had guns put to their heads. You know, a guy got shot with a shotgun in front of the strip club one night and you know, people have been kidnapped and raped and murdered. And What's that one story? Which uh, the, the baseball bat? Oh, the baseball bat. The that one you told me about. So, <laughs> Massey's oh, right. one that's of the right. one of the first times he's in town, and I love this story. Somebody had parked a, a Cadillac right in front it, of the liquor store. In front of the y'all. liquor store in the wrong spot. <laughs> Just in front of the liquor store. <laughs> Some guy comes out, looks at you, he's like, "Is this your car?" And no. <laughs> Dude grabs a baseball bat, starts wailing on it. Just whipping on the car. He like was ripping on the lights. He was ripping on the on the hood. And he parked behind him. He thought the guy was moving. Well, the guy went inside, I think, to pay a, a bill or something. Yeah. Liquor. I don't know what it was. But he wasn't supposed to park there because it was a drive lane, right? So yeah. he just whips out a baseball bat. It's crazy. And that's dude, that's that was that town. It was like it, I always had my head on a swivel. If I was pumping gas, my back was to the car and my head was everywhere. I remember when I started dating Melissa, I'd be in Madison. Um, my head would be on a swivel. And she would kind of ask me, like, what's up? Why Why can't you relax? Madison, Wisconsin, y'all. Yeah, Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. The the danger zone of yeah. soy drinking. Yeah, it's rack. You know, it's yeah. just <laughs> kids in beanies. <laughs> cheese. <laughs> All them cheese and uh, cows. Yep. Um, no, but my head was on a swivel. I was always watching careful because I, I knew people had gotten in trouble and I, I knew there was danger around every corner. Um, I stayed pretty safe. Um, 
but we had a couple of hairy calls, you know, we, we had a couple of close events. Um, but my faith was growing, which was cool because I was, I had a couple of really good mentors while I was out there who helped me see the spiritual side of what was going on in there. And you really started to see the darkness of that was over the city, yeah. but you could see the light that was working against the darkness. So it wasn't a yeah. flesh fight. It was a spiritual fight. It was a spiritual fight completely. Yeah. Complete spiritual. Fight. So explain like then we met. Yeah. So my I'm, dog, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to the store for pot pies, pot pie. Y'all. <laughs> and I, how many? No, I I remember one of my roommates was like, oh, well, you know, this place is having a deal on them. And in my head, I'm thinking, I'm not going there. I don't even care if they're having a deal. I want to go to this other place because that's where I want to go. <laughs> Which, dude, God directs us. God really directs us in our desires, right? There's no reason I couldn't go to the other store. But just in my head, I was like, no, I don't want to. So I park. And I'm walking in, and there's this this Mexican guy who's working a table. Good-looking Mexican. Good-looking Mexican guy with the hair gelled and, you know. And I'm trying to not make eye contact. Because the last thing you want to do is make eye contact with the people at the table in front of the store, right? And he pulls me over. He's like, hey, you like rock music? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> and and puts the headphones on me and and playing some rock music some really good stuff and i'm really liking it and we get talking about government and um the government's role and the founding fathers and the constitution and, and god's role in all of that and like you and i talked for probably two uh, two hours something like that it was we it were was out there outside. for a while yeah it was it was north dakota in april you had to at least have a sweatshirt on, right? <laughs> it's crazy, man. I remember yeah. that. And yeah. it's North Dakota. Like, there's no covering. Yeah, no. The wind just cuts right through. Right, right. And we we exchange phone numbers and lifelong friendship, man. Brotherhood. like Brotherhood. I Just that instant connection. And so we talked a lot. We, you know, and I had had thoughts about you know, should I join the ministry that you were a part of? Should I not? You know, I went out and visited you and, and went on took tour a tour with it. Yeah, yeah. Went on a couple of tours or tour events. And well, look how God kept you. There was exactly. that story. Yeah. Yeah. God, God kept me, man. Like, so one of the things was I was struggling with, with pot and I had, I had cut it out. I was like, I'm done. But Every once in a while, I'll creep back. And there was one Saturday, I was standing in a circle. Guys were passing around, and I just grab it. It's just this this reaction or this this natural movement. Hit it, pass it, realize what I've done. And I'm like, ah. oh, well, what am I going to do? Monday rolls around, company-wide <laughs> drug test. It's not funny, but that's no, hilarious. It's, it's, it's funny. God's got a sense of humor. So, so dude I'm, just takes a hit of weed <laughs> and he has a company thing, dude. Yep. This yep. is crazy. Get high and two days later, company drug test. And so <laughs> I go and take the drug test and I walk back and I sit down with my boss and I look at him and I say, well, just want to let you know I may not pass that <laughs> drug test. <laughs> he, he looks at me and he's like, well, why didn't you tell me? I would have sent you home. <laughs> dude i didn't know yeah but but he and i had a really good relationship he was he was always looking out for me and kind of took me under his wing and i, I was helping him in his faith walk you know him yep. figuring out who god was so i'm driving around that day i'm like lord if you want me to lose this job as consequence for what i did i accept that i'm okay with losing this job i trust you either way i accept how badly i screwed up and I made the oath, and I, and and I always tell people be very careful about an oath that you speak. But I was like, I I'll never smoke pot again, Lord. I'm done. And so I'm figuring, okay, I'm gonna lose my job. Day rolls around, I don't hear anything. Okay, maybe it takes 48 hours. Another day rolls around, I don't hear anything. Wednesday, Thursday, I get to Friday, I'm like, 
I'm in the clear. I piss negative. Like that, how the heck did that happen? Right? <laughs> and it's like, Lord, you, you kept me. You had mercy on me. I'm not going to forget this. You know? And that was right around the time that I was like, ah, maybe I am should join the ministry, maybe not. And I remember calling um, the leader of it and letting him know. And I remember expecting more reaction. It was more just a, oh, okay. You know, it, it kind of like, well, you're, it, you know. Maybe it won't uh, work out. Maybe this isn't going to work out type right. deal. Yeah. You, you, my time is better spent with something else. And I consider that moment one of the moments where the Lord really kept me from it. I had always had like back and forth and, and lack of peace, which I learned was a sign from the Lord of, okay, if I'm not having peace about this, then I need more prayer and I need to be patient and wait. And that waiting really brought about that event of like, okay, I can see I'm, I'm just not going to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. Right. Which was, was good. Um, and so things are, are up and down, back and forth in my life, settling down. And I get a call from my dad. Um, my mom had had some blood tests. She had had cancer before. And she had gone into remission. Um, she had had uh, kidney cancer. It had gone into remission. It was good for a year and a half. And she had gone in and had some more tests. And they had found some stuff that had concerned them in her liver. And I got a call from my dad. Um, I remember I was driving from a work site and he had said that um, I needed to come home. Right. And it wasn't like they were keeping me in the dark, but it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, these tests had gotten worse and, and then it just accelerated. Like yeah. it, was, it was super speed. Because what you I've know. noticed about your story, because I want you to get into this. Your story's been one of what? What am I doing? What's what? What's this all about? You you yeah. you come to a pivot and all of a sudden, poof, it's gone. And oh then this next goodness. moment, you come to a pivot, boom, it's gone. You're going out in Wisconsin, all of a sudden, it's like poof. Yeah. Your mom has cancer. Uh, even moving here, we'll get into that later. Yeah. But like, just all these, I've arrived, poof. I've arrived, poof. I've arrived, poof. And you were prospering out there. Yeah. Your mom has cancer, and I I've I've it's a hard topic to talk about. Um, but she, she, she impacted my life, you know, in just the short amount of time that I knew her, she actually gave a crap, you know, she cared yeah. enough about me, you know, it was really neat. Cause I talked to her a couple of times on the phone too. Yeah. We had talked and um, explain what that's like in, in like as, as best she can, because a lot of people out there experience loss. Yeah. But they don't know how to deal with it. They don't know. They feel the same way you do. It's like every time I, I'm going to advance in something, bam, it gets taken away. Yeah. Explain that, you know. Um, and and I'll get into the the macro of that later because yeah, that's how my life has felt. It was just like the carrot and the stick. And I've gotten to the point of kind of laughing with God of like, okay. but you keep the faith. Yeah, yeah. It's like okay, Lord. Obviously, that was just to get. But so, Dad calls me, and I say, okay, I'm I obviously got to fly home. Um, and I fly home. I, I was able to see her before she just wasn't responsive, which I'm very thankful for. Um, got to tell her I love her actually got to introduce her to Melissa. She was kind of in and out, but was able to say hi to Melissa. And Mom finally passes away a couple of days later. And I remember she passed away at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, and This was swift. It, it was swift. It, it, they found it, and it was like two and a half, three weeks later she was gone, right? Because it had spread through her whole body. Um, and my dad, brother, and I had never been super close. Like the, it had always been kind of a distant relationship, respectful, but distant. My, my brother and I were less respectful towards each other <laughs> at, at a lot of times. Cause was that after you became a Christian too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 
I had sent him some long emails. I don't regret what I said. I mean, I, I felt like I had a lot of tax in how I said it, but, you know, just like kind of calling him out of like, what's, if you're going to have faith, are you going to have faith? And, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so he and I were always kind of tense because I was conservative. He was liberal. Um, and I cried for about 15 seconds. Um, which threw me for a loop because it's like, okay, shouldn't I, I be bawling right now? Shouldn't I be torn up completely? Which I, I was, but I wasn't. And I remember walking out of the hospice and looking up at the sky. It was like two o'clock in the morning, like I said, and the stars were there. And I was just like, okay, next step. She's gone. Um, and I, tried to figure out why my emotions weren't matching what I thought I was supposed to feel. And I've, I've actually had people ask me this, like, why don't I feel as torn up as I should about something? Um, and, and that was tearing me up was like, I I should be emotionally devastated, which it, it really hurt. But there was kind of like this sense of peace of, She's she's in heaven, so Shoot, I've got the bonus, right? Better man than I, man. You that's, know that's tough. She's she's. I wouldn't she's keep it together. I know me, man. Yeah, like, and uh, I've had times where I've I've been unhappy with my emotional stoicism. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it gets frustrating sometimes. Um, but I was talking to my youth pastor. I had had in high school really helped kind of give me the seeds that kept me directed. You know, if he hadn't have put those seeds in there, who knows where I would have been five, 10 years. And he had said, look, that's the piece that surpasses all understanding. You don't, you don't have to be emotionally devastated by this. You how long, feel how, how you feel. How long has it been? Uh, now, boy, she died 2012. So six years. Um, and she was my best friend, man. Like she, she was the one who knew me the best. She was the one who I felt like I could tell anything to, um, it, but one of the blessings of it was my brother, my dad and I all grew a lot closer after it. Um, our relationship really strengthened and, and we all got to know each other a lot better after that. And one of my cousins, you know, had called me up six months later, told me how, it was her funeral that made him realize that he needed to change his life. And and he was doing some things, I guess. And and he never told me what, which is fine, but he was doing some things that he had to change. I got to ask you, how how did you keep it together through that? A a lot of people find loss to be devastating and they ask God why you almost said, okay, God, now what? Yeah. Yeah. I think my biggest frustration was why didn't my prayer get answered for her to be healed? But Which is I, a legit question. Yeah, and I, I still have that question sometimes of like, why? Why sometimes? Why not others? Um, but my big, I think the thing that carried me through was relying on the fact that I didn't know what God was doing with it. Right. Like, trust that, that even if it's a seed, just holding on to that seed of trust of God's doing something with this and i don't know and i and my prayer was lord just show me why why should give me a reason why gotcha and and i had been praying this and i don't remember how long um but after i had been praying that prayer was when my cousin called me and and said look i want you to know your mom's funeral changed my life wow it was like okay lord Thank you. That's that's what I needed. Confirmation right? in a sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get you. You know, and so that was that was really kind of what carried me through was doing my best to trust that I just I didn't know and accepting that. You know. So so now your mother dies, you go back out to North Dakota, but you got a girl now. Yeah. Like there's there's this relationship brewing yep i don't know how far you were along in this process i was not very far yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. um but you know talk about 
now. So like the overcomer of Christ in you, 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 how do I explain it? <clears throat> There's just been a lot that's happened in your life, but I can yeah. see God overcoming you. And so now you're like, you, you, you get married, which I was a part of. Heck yeah. Somebody yeah, had to run somebody sound. Somebody had to run the sound board. <laughs> uh, which I'm photo, still thankful for. Photobomb the marriage wedding thing. Which I the still, photobomb. I still want the picture frame of like yes. normal, normal Massey. You guys, you have to see this picture. And You'll put it up, actually. I'll, I'll try and yeah. put it up. I'll yeah. see if I can find it because it's hilarious. <laughs> it's perfect. Oh. Him and his wife were kissing, and I'm like in the back doing something really You were just like. Ridiculous. Yeah, we're doing something ridiculous. <laughs> so you, you get married. Yeah. You're in Wisconsin. You guys are working. You're working. And again, this is the dangle carrot thing. Yeah. You, you come back from North Dakota. You're in Wisconsin to be with your wife. Yep. And so I'll try to keep this short. Um, but I was in North Dakota. Time was wrapping up. I moved to Wisconsin. You gave and, your boss your two years. Yeah. Like you, I, like you promised. Yep. Yep. And he was totally cool with that because she and Melissa and I decided we need to be in the same city to figure this out. Um, and I felt called to write a book about my experiences and my walk with God. And every time I tried to get a job, it just would not pan out. It didn't feel right. So, okay, I'm supposed to write this book, Lord. So I finished the book. I decided I'm going to self publish it. Three days later, a woman from church who I've met for 15 seconds calls Melissa says, one of the women in our prayer group, her and her husband are looking for uh, a manager type with leadership skills and responsibility. And I immediately thought of Mike. How the heck did you Crazy. think of me? And you, you don't said know through me. the process, you wrote a book. Yeah. What's yeah. it called again? From Bus to Boom. You guys got to check it out on our website. Yeah. Um, it's It really gives this full story um, it, and gives some other funny and cool stories in it. Too. I'm in it. Matthew's in it. Uh, is my name Massey? Yeah. Remember right. I you asked, asked you. <laughs> yep. There were a couple of people I asked. I was like, do you mind if I use your real name? You're like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't want to be famous? Exactly. I'm in a book. Yeah. See? I'm in a couple, actually. See? I'm in a couple. I was in the Southern Ministry Institute on Constitution, and some dude in Texas wrote about it. Really? Yeah. Oh, some, I didn't some know senator, about that. Some state senator guy. Huh. Pretty awesome. Cool. I'm famous. You are? Anyways, back to you. Anyways. What are you doing? I'm hijacking. <laughs> hijacking his mess. Um, so... So I go to the interview and the guy's super strong Christian believer. He and I totally hit it off. We're, we're very similar guys. It's the owner of Kilwins. Owner of Kilwins or the franchise store in Madison. Yes. Um, but <laughs> yes. But yes. And, and so I start working this job. Lord Jesus. And for a while, I'm, I'm mad. I'm pissed. I'm 28, 29 years old and I'm scooping ice cream. Hear that, so. Breno? I was so mad at Lord. It was like, by the way, Breno's our camera guy right now. Yeah. This guy's awesome. He's been helping us do our videos <laughs> the last few weeks. And I was, it's like, Lord, I have so much more potential than this. Why am I wasting it? Right. Plus, I wasn't making very much. I had gone from making sixty thousand dollars with company truck and benefits to twenty five thousand dollars a year, out the door, right? And. My boss and I get really close. We start talking about opening another store. Now I'm starting to see the carrot. Oh, the carrot. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, this could be cool. I could be owning my own franchise store by the time I'm 30. Right? That's that's achievement. It's the American dream, man. American dream, right? Start your own business, grow, build. Thinking right. And I get this phone call from this fluffy Mexican who asks me, who says, hey, I could really use some help with my ministry, so I want you to pray about it. And one of the things I loved is you said it once, and there wasn't much else said after that. It was it, it was just kind of like, hey, you know, what you thinking? It was never like, you need to come down. I really feel it. You did say, I really feel like it's supposed to be you, but you said, look, you need to pray about it. And we spent six, Prayer. seven months praying about this and really felt like, okay, Lord, this is what we're supposed to do. So forget the dreams of owning the store. Forget the, all those dreams. My wife and I pack up, we quit our jobs. We moved down to Florida and 
we get there and here, I should say, and I need money. So you had a buddy who was doing asphalting. He needed help with a mall. This is our first year of ministry. Yeah. yeah. This was like the first month or two I was in town. Yeah. Right? This is the first year of self-evident. Yeah. And so I come out to help do the asphalting project, work three weeks, busting butt, and guy doesn't pay me a dime. <laughs> I still remember that. Oh, my goodness. Still hasn't paid me a dime. Still hasn't paid you a dime. No. But you had invited us into, or we had invited you into yeah. our house. And- which, which that was a huge blessing. Um, and so she and I were trying to figure out what to do. Ministry just was... It was first year for the ministry. We just were not taking in money to support all of us. I, I just for the record, I wasn't supporting myself, so it was very hard for me to say yeah. I could pay you. Um, I thought we could have, but it was like it's our first year. You know what I mean? <laughs> Unless you have capital donors, you don't have that. And, yeah. and so, but very gracious and understanding on it. Well, and it's it was just part of it. So it was like looking at that and going, "Okay, Lord, this is." falling out to what's going on and after lots of prayer and discussion and thoughts and all of this and it's kind of like okay i need a stable paycheck and a school had approached you we were helping out the high schoolers and the school had approached you and said hey we're interested in mike teaching here kind of the background of that real quick was i got involved in the school my kids go to this christian school and yeah. um th- i had preached there several times since i minister and stuff and I got to know the the head the head dean the administrator yeah. the school administrator. So him and I were going twice a week on Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesday, Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah. One one day we would do just like hey, ask any question biblically, yeah. not even biblically, anything you wanted. We'll tie it into the scripture. And then the other day was worldview. You know, yep. so it was it was fun. But then he got he asked about you teaching because he knew you had some kind of a teaching yep. background. Yeah, and he and I had had several conversations. And he had specifically said that he was interested in me taking over for him as administrator. So I was like, okay, Lord. Is this what that's, it is? Is this what it is? Because teaching, I was kind of like, nah. I, mean, I think that ship has sailed. But I was like, administrator, that's something I could sink my teeth into. And, you know, things things didn't really move. And then they were talking to me about being a principal at the school for the next year and then his health started failing somebody else came in and started taking over leadership of the school and all of that fizzled out and failed away right yeah, let's be honest you hated yeah. it too yeah yeah I, I was not happy i was i was not happy at all um, not happy bob no <laughs> And you should put that clip in there from the Incredibles. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> Not happy, Bob. <laughs> and and so that felt like another carrot and stick. And that's that's one thing that I feel like has been an overarching theme in my life of like, okay, Lord, there's always this, ooh, maybe that's what it's supposed to be. And then it dissolves. Um, and I've really, you know, now I'm working for a roofing company and, and, it pays the bills. It's it's not necessarily something I want to do for the rest of my life, but it's it's work and it pays and it's got a cool boss. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy, you know. So one of the things I've learned is that faith and reliance in the Lord has to be faith and reliance on Him and who He is, not on our expectations of what we think He should do or think He should be. Because our expectations breed disappointment. Because if I, if my expectation of God is that I'm going to own my own Kilwins franchise and I don't own that, then I'm disappointed in God and mad at him that he didn't fulfill what he never promised me, just what I saw and thought was the next step, mm-hmm. you know? And that's that's probably been one of the biggest faith lessons that I've taken away is it's reliance on him and staying in the moment of what he has you doing now, because I do still believe I have a calling in ministry and like, you know, the, with the podcast and with speaking and all of that. But if now's not the time, then now's not the time. And I have to accept that. I do think know? too, though, like just to add to what you're saying, because 
this is important. You know, having a newborn, it'd be hard for you to travel. It would be. And be gone from the kid, you know, yeah. and gone from your wife. Your wife is <clears throat> going to support you no matter what. And she's yeah. proven that, right? Um, but I did that in ministry. I did that where I'm gone. D- today, yeah. I haven't even been home, you know? And right now, it's currently almost, what is it, past 9 o'clock. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was gone since I dropped him off at school. I haven't seen him since, you know? Ministry becomes uh, not a life, per se. It doesn't take me over, and I do see them quite often. Just saying today yeah. is one of those... Today's one of those examples, but <clears throat> early on in ministry, I was gone three weeks a month, you know, yeah. thinking to save the world, blah, blah, blah. But it's like almost God's developing a lot of who daddy is right now. Like he's developing who you are as a dad. I mean, I'm just saying this from what my obser- observation yeah. is of you, yeah. but now dude, you have the opportunity to do this podcast and like get it up off the ground and do, you know, hopefully monetize it someday and do these things. And I think he gave you a really good business mindset to do it, you know? If there's one thing that you could tell these folks about your faith walk to get them through, what is it that you would tell them to close it out? Yeah. I think the most important thing to a faith walk is to be willing to take those steps and make those choices to follow God. Because if you look back at my life, my faith life, there's been step after step after step of where I've stepped out and done what some people consider drastic, right? And you have to continue doing that. But having reliance on the Lord that may not always turn out the way you want it to, you know, um, and know that he's good to still continue taking care of you through the thick and thin. One second. Is that out? Hmm? Is your camera out? That's probably better than this because you're filming. Okay. No, I get it, man. That's awesome. I think uh, more and more, like, I learn more from your faith. I think I learn more from who you are, and, and uh, you teach me patience. I'm the most impatient guy. <laughs> God's changing that, praise God, and I mean that. He's changed me a lot. Uh, but just to see your patience and your brotherhood, and, like, even though it didn't pan out the way we all wanted it to, we can still see it. No. It's still going to, you know, we have this vision no. of where it's going to go. And folks, I'm just being honest, it's hard to pay myself. I have no. to, I work at a church now, you know what I mean? Just to help supplement and pay bills and things no. like that. But, you know, and, and I pastor and it's just God all, all the way. It's been God. Um, but I want to say thank you for being so open and honest. And, you know, even talking about loss, uh, I, I don't know if I could do that. You know, I'd probably break and leave. I mean, you saw my no. testimony. I was a blubbering baby, you know, <laughs> but um thank you so much for sharing with us that story and who you are and um we we so love my wife and i can just say this we so love having you guys in our lives and you've enriched us um you've helped take care of our kids you know when we needed to go do ministry and stuff like that and you know we're we're hopefully always returning the favor you know what i mean and uh we're gonna keep plowing through this one god willing you know it's just gonna keep uh going through it so guys if any of you have been touched by this um, seriously, consider supporting us. Uh, go on to Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com uh, forward slash self-evident ministries. Um, also, our YouTube page. Get on there and subscribe, guys. Yeah. And when you subscribe, uh, click that bell. Get the notifications from us so that it gets right to your email. You can see the latest uh, podcasts and things like that. We're going to keep doing interviews. Um, we're going to be as blunt as we can, as open as we can. I'm going to say this, guys. We're, we're as truthful as, about as truthful as it gets. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, we're we're willing to say it. We're willing to not shy away. Um, so if you guys have questions, you have thoughts, please feel free to, to get into it with us. Um, and as we have guests on, that's it's our goal, really, to be honest. To go with people upfront. that we don't, yeah. Uh, without, without becoming offensive. Yeah, because yeah. we don't need to be. I mean, yeah. the, Jesus is offensive to sin already. You know what I mean? Let's not be jerks about it. I said that. Uh, you know, in, in my story, but um, again, please uh, c- go on our website as well. The self evident truth.com the self evident truth. 
com. You guys can support there. Cop yourself a shirt. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got some new designs out. We got our DVD out and stuff like that. We're going to come out with a new DVD next year. Just a lot of cool vision stuff happening. Um, I want to thank Breno and uh, Ness and Benny films. Or, you know, Bre Breno, this guy's got a cool YouTube page, though he speaks Brazilian, but there's a couple that are on there that are English. I mean, this whole setup is him, and he's really helping us develop the podcast. And I just want to personally thank him yeah. uh, for taking his time to help us do that. Um, I met him at church. I pastor young adults. They showed up, and he just came up to me and said, man, I feel like we're supposed to help you. And uh, we're so excited, and I hope to return again, re repay them for what they do, because it takes a lot to do this. And I'm taking away from his wife, and uh, they're prego, man. They're going to have a kid soon. Dude, <laughs> I didn't know amazing. that. Congratulations. He's going to be a daddy. Woo! He's going to be a Welcome daddy. club. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, just wait till you have three, man. Yeah. It's awesome. Those little fat heads will be running around. You're gonna be like, oh, you know, people think sometimes they're annoying. They're not. They're cool. I mean, kids are awesome, man. So, anyways, guys, thank you for tuning in. This is our 11th podcast. It's exciting. God bless you guys, um, and we'll see you soon. Tune in next week. We got more for you. Thank you.